When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Tell It Abs It Is podcast is sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook. Everyone's favorite time of year is right around the corner. College football season is almost here. And to celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game. You heard right, DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any college football game, no matter what, no strings attached. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all of the great promotions and daily odd boosts that they are offering. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, and located right here in the United States, so it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code THPN to get free $200 in free bets instantly. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Griffin Youngs, with another short and simple episode. Again, we are still in the mud of August. There is very, very little going on, but I have a bit of a schedule worked out now. Thursday episodes, more likely than not, will be just me previewing the upcoming season, talking about some news as they happen, and for the next couple weeks, we're going to be gathering other hosts from the Central Division to discuss what's going on with their teams. This Monday, we had the guys from the Catfish on Ice podcast talking about the Predators. I'm not going to go in any particular order, just whoever I can land for that week. Not entirely sure what Sunday is going to look like as of yet, but I'm working on lining some stuff up at the moment. But way it looks right now, Wednesdays, just me catching up on everything that's going on 
previewing the upcoming season as best I can, and Mondays will be looking at the other teams in the Central Division with the hosts of the other shows, but today, as you are hearing this, is Thursday, so just me, and unfortunately for me, not a lot to talk about. Still, the Avalanche have had one thing happen. They have signed the great Dennis Gilbert to a contract. Yes, Gilbert filed for arbitration, and they settled it beforehand. He signs for $750,000 for a one-year deal. Gilbert will likely be the eighth defenseman on the team. He played three games last year, scored zero points, five penalty minutes, completely inoffensive player. We acquired Gilbert in the Brandon Saad deal where we gave Zadorov to the Blackhawks. And if you see Gilbert in the lineup this season at all, that means something has gone horribly wrong. No offense to Dennis Gilbert. Maybe he'll turn into an NHLer one day, but with the way the Avalanche roster is set at the moment, Gilbert cracking the lineup means something has gone horrifically wrong. That means there have been injuries galore, and we are not even on our backups anymore. So he didn't go to arbitration. He was the only Avalanche who filed for arbitration, and like many other of the players in the league who have filed for arbitration, not many of them actually end up going there. When was the last? Who was the last guy that actually like went to arbitration? Was it Cody Cece after he the Leafs traded for him from Ottawa? I know he went to arbitration, got like a four million dollar one year deal that the Leafs for some reason took, but you don't usually see players going to arbitration actually that often. But as for Gilbert, he is the final player that the Avalanche had to sign, the final RFA. They have all of their guys booked for next season. No more RFAs. Obviously, no UFAs because they'd be all gone at this point, but everything is pretty much all set for next season. They still have $2.3 million in cap space because Gilbert is not counted on the NHL roster according to cap friendly. Not surprising. He probably shouldn't be. But even if you dig into the farm system, there is no one else to sign. But the Avs still have, like I said, $2.38 million in cap space to play with. Do they use any of it before the season starts? Honestly, I couldn't tell you. I, I think going into training camp, they might assess where they're at and sign a guy or two. I'm surprised there are still some decent players on the market. I mean, obviously, Zach Parisi's still there, but the rumor is there's a contract in the drawer with the Islanders for him, but Broussard, Donato, and same thing with Kyle Palmieri. I assume he's staying in the island. Uh, Tyler Bozak, Alex Chason, Dominic Cahoon. I'm surprised no one has signed Bobby Ryan. Like, that's just, that's just a feel-good story. Even if he doesn't play, you give him league men, for one year and you just have the the feel-good story on your team, even if you end up benching him, what are you really losing by signing that other than just gaining some morale? Casey Sezikis, I also assume that's just a, a thing that Lamorello has in the drawer for the Islanders. Alex Galchenyuk has nothing, which is, that, that to me is pretty surprising considering how decently he played with Toronto after being bounced around so many times this season like no one wants to take a league min flyer on that guy does he not want to take it like I'm I'm just surprised that there are still so many names on here like you get to 
that if you sort by all unrestricted free agents at the moment, you sort by points on cap friendly, you go down to like 30. You still got like Ben Hutton, Sammy Vatnin. Like these are not no-name guys. Like even like a, a Marcus Sorensen. Like these are NH. They're fringe NHLers, but they're still guys that I'm surprised no one went. Like Lucas Walmark. Actually, I think Lucas Walmark went to Europe or something. If I vaguely remember something about that, he left the wherever he was. You think he was in Chicago, and he went to Europe or something to play next year. But there are still guys available i mean will the avalanche end up signing any of them i i think they're gonna sign at least one again like i've said probably a million times over the last few episodes probably not before training camp i think joe sackick might be like taking a well-deserved like deep breath for a little bit and not trying to sign people and make trades at the moment but I imagine by training camp, maybe one of these guys might be signed. I I think an Alex Chason could make some sense. He has top six experience. If it if push comes to shove with injuries, you could put him there. But ideally, that's a guy you'd have on your fourth line as an alternative option to Mikhail Maltsev. I mean, clearly the plan is to go forward with Maltsev on the fourth line, which is a fine option. We clearly acquired him with that in mind, and I will trust our professional scouts on that. They have rarely ever led us astray, except at the deadline last year, but we don't talk about that because that takes me down the rabbit hole of the Vegas series, and I'm not doing that. I'm not in the mood to be mad about that series today. So anyway, Again, I've talked about it before. Obviously, the top line is great. As I talked about with the with Chad and the Catfish on Ice guys, there's just that hole in the top six that I just don't think gets filled. I think that's just something that we're going to have to live with, whether it is JT Comfer on that second line or Alex Newhook. It's, we don't have the luxury of Saad and Donskoy anymore. We can't. I mean, we didn't just lose one. We had to lose both. And I get why they had to leave. Obviously, Donskoy got taken by Seattle, and Saad got money from St. Louis. I'm still I'm still bitter about Saad, and, and I know the cap, and it wouldn't have worked. It's, let me be mad. I'm just I'm I'm annoyed about it. I like Saad. I wanted him to stay. He played too damn well in the playoffs for me to just watch him go to St. Louis for a, a contract that's much less than I thought he would get. Let me be mad about it. I don't care if it's rational or not, but. The top six, I mean, you're going to have, like, it's a salary cap world. You're going to have to lose guys, and you're going to have to have a weakness somewhere. It's not on our top line. It's not even really in our depth on offense either. I really like the third line, especially if you bump Comfort down there. You have Nuke, Jost, and JT on your third line. I still think that's one of the best third lines in the league, especially if Comfort bounces back. And you have your fourth line of Maltsev, Helm, and O'Connor. That's a that's a damn good fourth line. There, if you're if that's your fourth line, you're doing pretty damn well. It's just that one spot on the wing, on the second line. That's just I don't love it. Maybe Newhook is great there. Maybe Comfer bounces back there. There's just no way of telling at this point. And obviously, the defense is still outstanding. Kemper and Fransos win healthy, great goalies. That's the question mark. 
win healthy. We'll see if they end up staying healthy. It's just this team looks great on paper down the entire way, except just that one spot on the wing that keeps always bothering me. And I'm probably going to talk about this a million more times before the season begins because there's probably not going to be much else to talk about because we don't even have Dennis Gilbert to to jokingly bring up every now and again. We are officially in the dead zone, and we still have, I mean, to be fair, under two months before the regular season begins. I mean, I don't even, I don't even remember when training camp opens again, but it's probably much sooner than I think it's going to be. I mean, it's, what is it, Sep- late September, September like 22nd, so we're about a month away from training camp opening up for the first time and having preseason games. I mean, preseason is what, like three or so weeks before the regular season begins? And we'll be sick We'll be sick of the preseason by the second game. The preseason is like somewhat bearable once. And then the friggin' six games after that, however many it is, suck. They are so bad to watch. But I get why you have to have them and everything to see, you know, if... Everyone's good and everything, and they're not gonna. Like, no owner is gonna agree to like less games so they can make less money. So preseason games are gonna be staying, especially coming out of the pandemic and everything. No, there's gonna not gonna be any less games, especially if they're preseason games. They still make money, even if it's much less than a regular season game. They're still gonna make money off of them, so they're not gonna go anywhere. But we are just under two months away from. Game one of the regular season against the Chicago Blackhawks on home ice. I don't even know what to expect from the season. Like I was, I was just driving the other day and just thinking, I have no fucking clue who's gonna win this year. For for the last several years, I've I've been pretty dead set on my guy since the off season. Like pretty much like three of the last four years, I've been dead set on Tampa winning. And I was only right once. And last year, I I was set on the abs winning from start to finish. And I don't have that this year. I mean, when push comes to shove, I believe the abs are going to win. But I always question myself whether that's just my bias talking or if I genuinely believe that. But if I look around at the league, like, if not the abs, is it going to be Tampa again? Like... I don't know, like, who else is a big favorite? Vegas? I don't really think, like, I think that's, like, a tier of three guys. Tampa, Vegas, and Colorado. And even then, like, those teams, they got worse in the offseason, I would say. I mean, Vegas, they didn't upgrade at center. And they got worse at goaltending. I mean, I said they should trade Flurry, but they traded Flurry for nothing. So they didn't actually end up getting anything for that like I thought they would but they're still a good team but I'd say they still got worse technically and they didn't upgrade their center position they still have Chandler Stevenson playing on the top line Tampa Bay still going to be a great team but they lost their entire third line they lost all of Yanni Gord Blake Coleman and Barkley Goodrell all in the same offseason. I mean, there's no way they're not going to feel some kind of effect. I mean, this is not the same team. It's a great team still, but their third line, Matthew Joseph, Ross Colton, Corey Perry, that's that's still, how do they keep doing this? That's still a good third line, and that's infuriating. Their fourth line, Belmar, Alex Bure-Boulet, 
and Pat Maroon. I'm sure I'm sure Alex Boreboule is going to just be some stud that no one has ever heard of because that's just how it works in Tampa. They just have these guys come in when they're 23, 24 years old and just rip the league in half for a while. And no, and and they just find these guys. Like I'm looking at Boreboule right now, undrafted. I'm sure I'm sure he's a superstar. When was he even signed? He was signed in 2018 as an undrafted free agent when he was like 20 years old and he just signed a three-year extension at basically league minimum a thousand dollars less than he made on his last deal and i'm sure he'll end up being like a three million dollar player because that's just how things work in tampa they just can't stop having nice things they didn't have a nice thing for a couple years they lost in the conference finals a couple times and got swept by columbus and then it's just been a non-stop wealth of just nice things just shoveled into their mouth they get point in the just the third round out of nowhere they get one of the best players in the league nikita kucherov a decade ago in the second round you know they they just find these guys anthony sorelli third round pick you know just as you do you just find top six guys and top 10 players in the league just in the third round like multiple times because that just makes sense but anyway they got worse in the offseason no matter how you slice it they might still win again but they still got worse and you go to Colorado and as we know they did get worse they lost Saad they lost Donskoy they lost Graves they lost multiple guys I mean and they're still going to be a great team, just like Vegas and Tampa. But I'd say those are the three teams that I'd say really rank as the true three favorites, the same as last year. But after that, it's just one, like, I don't know. Like, it's just one big clusterfuck. Like, I, a team I really like this year is Florida. I love how they built this team. I love the addition of Sam Reinhart. I really wanted him on the abs. I don't know how that would have worked considering they're the Florida Panthers just signed him to a $6.5 million contract. But I don't care. That would have been a lot of fun. And just the way they played last year and the way they've added to this team this year and they're getting Ekblad back after they lost him to injury all that time last year. I would not be surprised if they do a lot of damage. Like, even just the other day, like, I was just, every once in a while when I'm bored, I just run through, like, division predictions because I'm a psychopath who can't stop thinking about hockey sometimes. I have to physically restrain myself from thinking about it sometimes. But this time, I was just doing division rankings, and I've, I sometimes, I just look at the divisions, and I'm like, I genuinely have no idea. Going into most seasons, I have a general idea of where I think teams are going to go. But, like, especially looking at, like, the East, like, the Atlantic and the Metro, I have no clue. I mean, when it, even just division winners. In the West, division winners are easy. Colorado, Vegas, I think those are pretty easy. And you get to the, the East, the Metro, there's, I'd say, like, four teams, I think, have realistic shots at winning it. That's Pittsburgh, Carolina, Washington, and the Islanders. I think all have a very decent shot at winning the Metro. The Atlantic, I'd say the same thing with four teams. I'd say Tampa, Florida, Boston, and Toronto all have a realistic claim at that top spot. And even looking at the West teams, after you get Colorado penciled in at number one and Arizona penciled in at number eight, I'd say 
Nashville 7th, like I talked about last episode. And I kind of don't know after that. Minnesota, I, I have Minnesota in 2nd. But I just don't know. Like, they're off-season. I'm not all that impressed by it, honestly. I thought they were going to do a lot more. Like, coming into this off-season, I talked about how they, they were going to be a lot more interesting. And they signed Fiala for one year the other day. That is absolutely going to bite them in the ass next year when they've got the, the cap restrictions coming in from the buyouts. They still haven't signed Kirill Kaprizov. And, like, they signed Goligowski to one year, Kulikov to two years, John Merrill. Like, they redid their defense, but it's just like there's nothing that's going to take this team further. I think they'll make the playoffs. I think they're a top three team. But I just don't know if they're pushing the envelope enough to, not not to sound cocky here, but to, like, genuinely be a challenge to us at the top spot. I don't think they did it. Like, they still have Victor Rask playing top six minutes like that that guy was a cap dump from Carolina in a one of the worst trades of the last five years and he's still playing in their top six I I don't know I think they're gonna be good like they were last year but I don't know if that magic that surrounded them is gonna be there I think the shine on Kaprizov is quickly wearing off for the organization with this drawn-out negotiation. That was a fun little honeymoon they had for one year, but I can see this straining sooner than later. Those, the longer this negotiation drags out and the more Kaprizov pushes to be walked to unrestricted free agency, that magic could be gone very soon for them. So I just don't know with them. I think I, it's a solid team, but I feel like it's what I've always said about the Wild. Outside of Kaprizov, these are all pieces that would be great on other teams. Great complementary pieces. Like Joel Erickson Eck, great player. I, One of my favorite players on the Wild. He's a great player. They just locked him up to eight years. I don't think he should be your top-line center. I think that's the kind of guy, 24 years old, outstanding shutdown center that I think would thrive in a second-line center role. Like, if they if they got Jack Eichel, hypothetically, if they got Jack Eichel, I think this team would be borderline unstoppable. I mean, out, and outside Kaprizov, who is a star, there's just pieces here that are good, but there's no real glue to stick it all together. And I again, Kaprizov is the exception to that, but we'll see how well he can do that this coming season because, I, like I said, I think the shine is wearing off for both of them. And I don't know. I don't really like what they did. I don't think they really did anything. They, they got Alex Goligowski, who's 36, and was with the Coyotes for so many years. And he's fine. Like, he's a fine player, I guess. Like, there's nothing really, like, special about him. He's not, like, five million. Like, I feel like they just took up, like, five million dollars of all the cap they just freed up to kind of do the the Minnesota Wild special and spin their wheels because they've got all this dead cap. Like, this, like this was the one year that they were going to be able to, to spend as much cap as they want because the next three years after this, they've got $12 million in dead cap and then two years of $14 million in dead cap. And this year, they've only got four. They're saving money 
on the Parisi and Suter contracts, and they used it to sign Goligowski and Kulikov. Like, am I like, am I wrong here for being confused at what they're doing? Like, I thought you were like gonna take a swing at the fences this year, but I, I guess not. Like, why did you buy out Ryan Suter if you're just gonna sign a guy who's older than him? who are the exact same age as him for one year and kind of just be the same team that you wore last year except just without the two guys you signed to lifetime contracts a decade ago. So, again, not to sound cocky, I just I don't see them as like a, a true, like, could Minnesota possibly overtake Colorado for that top spot? No, I don't really think so. And I think Dallas had a good offseason. I think we'll talk to, to their hosts in a little while to talk about what Dallas did. But if they get healthy, I could see them being a threat. I think now that I'm talking about this out loud, I think I would switch them over into second over Minnesota. But that, that strongly depends on their health. They were banged to shit last year. If they can get healthy, Sagan and Ben are back. Hints just is now is not on a game by game basis. Radulov is back. They get Kudobin back. And I like is Bishop even gonna play? I've I don't know what they have like four goalies signed. They signed Holtby. They have Jake Ottinger in the wings as well, who they've apparently told to prepare to be ready to be the number one. But they have Kudobin, and they just signed Holtby, and no one knows what the hell's going on with Ben Bishop. I don't know what's happening with their goaltending. Their defense, I like. They signed Ryan Suter. And I actually really like their defense. I, SL Lindell's just okay. That's the only exception. But John Klingberg, if he can have a better bounce back year, I don't think he was great last year, could make this really good. Then you got Suter Heiskin, which I think is a real good pairing. And then Sakara and Yanni Hockenpah. Hockenpah, I think, was a great under-the-radar pickup for them. They signed him 1.5 for three years I would not have complained if the Avs signed him, but I think they're going to be a decent team to watch out for. St. Louis, I mean, they signed Saad, and that's decent for them. Again, I look at this team, and I don't think threat. I think decent team. They're, they might make the play. I mean, looking at the Pacific, the Central's probably going to have five playoff spots. And I see St. Louis taking one of them. Is it third or is it a wild card spot? I don't know. But I I see them getting in. I think this is a good enough team to get in. I, I The thing is, I hate how well Brandon Saad fits with that team and how good he's probably going to be for them. And am I even missing anyone? When, I always forget Winnipeg's in this division. Like there's just, there's just something about that that doesn't click in my brain. I, I think Winnipeg's going to make it too. I like the the additions they made on defense. They're fine. They finally looks like they have a defense. Like it was driving me mad looking at the Jets depth chart and looking at their defense, being like, "Where are the players for the last two years? Where where are they? They're not here." And now it looks like they're finally going to ice a defense. They find they acquired Nate Schmidt. They traded for Brendan Dillon. And they finally look like they're going to be able to ice a team. I actually like this team. You put Connor Hellebuck behind a defense that can stop shots from getting to him, even a little bit, and they've got a shot. If Pierre-Luc Dubois bounces back as well, 
this offense could be very, very good. I think they're in. Possibly a potential matchup for the Avs in the first round if we do win that division. I think that could be something to keep an eye on as well, but I don't think Chicago makes it. I think they're gambling big on players that just aren't that good. I mean, I think they're going to be good, but again, I think you just run out of spots at a certain point. And like Seth Jones, like I think they're going to be real disappointed in him when they find out that he's not what he's cracked up to be. DeBrincat, I think, could be in the running for the Rock. I mean, he scored 32 goals last year. No one talks about that. DeBrincat was really good on a shit Blackhawks team. I think he could be a real problem and realistically might be in contention for the Rocket. Not win it, but like maybe he's hanging around that top five with like the OVs of the world. But again, like I just, I look at their team and I'm just, I'm not impressed. And we'll see what Flurry can do. We'll see if a Flurry Lankin and pairing can change the tune on them. I don't know how invested Flurry is going to be in Chicago. He seemed kind of reluctant to even play there. I, we'll we'll see with him. I think that's I, it. Feels like the kind of trade that can like break a player. Like you just you're like, wow, what's even the point? I mean, I'm here. I guess I guess I'll try. And he's like a at like a nine ten, which will be fine. Not like Vesna caliber like he was last year. It could be a fine pairing. Maybe they'll be better than I expect, but I don't know. I think they're getting real hasty at tearing down their their retooling phase to jump right back into contention right away. And after that, the Predators, we talked about them last episode, and the Coyotes, who are not even trying. They're openly tanking. They're not even attempting to hide it. They have, what is this, eight draft picks in the first round, seven draft picks in the first round next year. They have their own first, our first from the Kemper trade, and then they have five second-round picks after that. They've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen contracts expiring after next season. And we haven't even gotten to the trade deadline. We'll see if how many of these guys will be on the move. They could they could like own like half of the first three rounds by the by the end of the trade deadline. They're not even trying. They are trying to get Shane Wright or probably Connor Bedard the year after that and just ice a fucking hockey team that doesn't suck. Cause like we've got we've gone back to twenty fifteen when the Sabres and Coyotes were just openly tanking. Like, that historic game in Buffalo where Sabres fans were actively cheering against their own team and celebrating when the Coyotes, who were tanking against them, beat them in their own building. We've gone back to that. We've gone back to the Coyotes and Sabres tanking for the first overall pick. This is what happens when when you have a shitty organization. Things never change. Colorado was the worst salary cap team in history, and they got out of it in one year. The Sabres have not made the playoffs in since 2011, and they're going to break the record for longest drought this year when they miss the playoffs again because they have no hope, and they haven't even traded Eichel. And the Coyotes, since that time that they last made the, the, the conference final, made the playoffs once. 
They upset the Predators in the qualifying round, and they got shit stomped by us in the first round, and they didn't even have fans. They couldn't even have a playoff run for their fans. This is what happens when your your organizations are run like shit. You never change, and you never get better. Even, even in a league that does its best to prop up low-market teams and get everyone as equal shot as they can, the shitty-run teams never change. We're, we've gone in a circle. Arizona and Buffalo are now back to tanking again. And they'll probably do that again in five years. Like, let's say, let's say Buffalo wins the lottery again. And they get Shane Wright. They'll ruin him too because they can't develop and they don't know how to handle young players. It won't matter. And in five years, Wright will be gone just like Eichel's about to be. And we'll be right back here again being like, wow, so the, the Shane, I'm sure Shane Wright will have attitude problems or something in Buffalo. It's like people say Eichel does. And we'll be right back to where we started again. And Arizona, I mean, in their defense, Arizona has had like one top three pick. And they missed on it. It was Dylan Strom. In the in the McDavid draft, that, like that is a actually not to be fair to them. That is a whiff of all whiffs. When you could have had Marner or Rantanen or any any of the guys that went in the first round that year, that 2015 draft is so stocked that looking back on it, actually you don't have to be fair to them at all. They completely whiffed on it. I mean, the next pick is Mitch Marner, and then the seventh overall pick, Provorov. Wierenski, Timo Meyer, Rantanen, Jake DeBrusque, Barzell, Connor, Shabbat, Eriksenek, Brock Besser, Konechny, Beauvillier, Sebastian Ajo. Actually, I fully take that back. Not to be fair, they could have had much better players. And in the one time that they had a top three pick, they just completely whiffed on it. Well, I think that's enough of my my rambling for a little bit. I don't even know how I got started on that topic. This is what happens when there's nothing to talk about. I mean, there's there's one thing to talk about that's happened in the last couple of days, and that is the debate of jersey advertisements. It has been announced that starting in the 2022-23 season, all NHL jerseys will start to have advertisements on the upper right shoulder slightly bigger than the ones that are currently on NBA jerseys and you got people saying this is a travesty this is horrible it's going to be so ugly and you've got people saying who cares you know it's not even going to see it's just more money for the league and it's just I'm in the boat that I don't care but there's also a point to be had in like, let's be really, really careful about this because this is already sliding farther than people wanted it to and much farther than we were ever promised that it would. And I understand things have changed, but my second ever episode of this show was talking about how helmet ads were being introduced to the league and... I think I think everyone understood that there's going to be no fans in the building. The whole league is going to be at a deficit. You need money coming in somehow, and like you don't even, you didn't even really notice it anyway. I mean, you got advertisements all along the board, and I really don't honestly remember what I said all those months ago, but I'm fairly certain it was along the lines of just let's be really careful about this. Let's not have this start leaking over onto the jerseys and then have the jerseys turn into NASCAR or the European leagues where it's just everything is plastered in ads. And 
I worry about the the attitude that we're taking with this. Like, it's, it's not a big deal. It's just more money for the league because how long until it becomes both shoulders? How long until it's on the back, on the bottom? How long until we just do what soccer does and just completely remove the the team logos and just replace them with like a Chevy on the front the Chevy logo might happen so that they do already in soccer and it's just can I just be really tired of having ads shoved in my face everywhere I go I mean like the only thing on right now is like baseball like do this for me Next time you can, just turn, just turn on a baseball game, get out a piece of paper or like a Word document on your computer, and just like put a tally mark for every advertisement that you see. It doesn't matter if it's a commercial or in the game, every sponsorship, every like just strip of advertisement on the wall or on the scoreboard, just like take a tally. And by the time the game's over, just count them up. I'm just so tired of having ads shoved in my face. Like, I don't really care about this and how it's going to, like, oh, the jerseys are going to be ugly. It's affecting the sanctity of the game. I'm just so tired of having ads shoved in my face. Like, you just, you turn on a hockey game for a few hours and it's the, you walk into an arena and the arena itself is a sponsor and you look around the rink and it, the whole boards are plastered in ads. You've got the, the scoreboard that's plastered in the arena name that is an advertisement, which is also covered in ads and every segment that you see every stat every goal every power play is sponsored by someone trying to sell me things and i am like am i just allowed to be annoyed that every time i now look at a player i'm going to have not one but now two advertisements shoved into my eyeballs trying to sell me something and just for what? The, 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 the salary cap's going to go up. How? How is this going to raise the salary cap? We just had Seattle come into the league. We had a new TV deal, but the biggest one the NHL has ever had. We've had two monumental injections of money into the league, and the salary cap is going nowhere. It might go up a million dollars like Forever for the next five years and five years from now we might be at 86.5 because the players are also a billion dollars in debt to the owners this is not going to help that at all what, what are they actually going to make on these advertisements like the seattle expansion fee was several million dollars the espn and tnt deals several hundreds of millions of dollars what is this gonna be like what were like what did it cost for the helmet ads? I might actually have to try to find that real quick. What did it actually cost to put the helmet ads on there? And like what was the difference between what's going to be the difference between that and the jersey ones? Are they going to be 3 times as much? Are they going to be I don't know. Like I I don't know if I could even find how much the it was 15 teams raised 15 million dollars through helmet ads. Which is not nothing. What like what are these gonna be like? Maybe, like let's let's say it's double. Let's say it's thirty million dollars. That's the same, pretty much. 
Like, it's not much when you look at these teams. Yeah, it's money. It's more money that's going to be going into the teams. But where do you think that money's going? You think that's going to the players? You think that's going to the staff? You think that's going to lower ticket prices? You think that's going to raise the salary cap? No. It's going right into the owner's pockets, man. Like, this has nothing to do with our experiences as fans. It's not going to raise the league minimum or anything like that. Like, it it changes nothing in both ways. It doesn't change your viewing experience, but it also doesn't change your viewing experience. Like, so why is this even a thing? It's just more money being put in pockets, more advertisements that are being shoved into your face everywhere you turn. And again, like, I don't really care. As long as, like, when I go buy a Kale McCarr jersey, it's not going to be on that jersey, then I don't really care, but it's just, like, I've just become so tuned to, like, noticing advertisements, like, everywhere, especially in sports games, and I'm I'm just so fucking tired of seeing them everywhere, and it's just, not that I even care about how the jerseys look or anything, it's just, like, I just don't want more ads, like, You've got so many ads. You've watched 50 commercials probably every hour. The boards are plastered in them. Like, and, and I mean every stat, every replay, every power play, every penalty kill, every goal, everything you see at a game has a sponsor. I'm sponsored. I open the show with a sponsor. Like, it's every... Me... I open the show with a sponsor. Like, it's just everywhere you go. And it's just, this is just another thing. What's one more, right? What's one more ad? And then five years from now, it'll be, what's one more on the jerseys? What's a, what's an ad on the pants? What's an ad on the stick going to be? Why not put ads on the net? Like, and I'm just giving them ideas, but I'm, I'm just so tired of it, honestly. I'm just so tired of ads being shoved into my eyeballs everywhere I turn. Maybe this will raise the cap down the line. I severely doubt it. I think this is just another injection of money going into the owner's pockets and is not going to affect the league at all other than just more advertisements for us to stare at. I think that's enough for that rant at the moment. And I've gone much longer than I thought I would, but that's about all that's happening in the NHL at the moment. We'll have another, or at least I'm hoping that we'll have another Central Division host on the show for Monday's episode, continuing to preview next season. But for today, that is going to be it for this edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I have been your host, Griffin Youngs. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from. It really, really helps out the show, and I would appreciate it a ton. Thank you all so, so much for tuning in. I truly do appreciate it. I do see the numbers, and I do see the ones who tune in time and time again. You know who you are, and you know that I love you. So thank you once again. I've been your host, Griffin Youngs. Thank you so much once again for tuning in, and I will catch you all next time. Have a great week.